and we had to let go like 92 of our staffs 92 and leaving only eight people we didn't have any office we had to work in the cafeterias of uh i think in the area of what uh command village for i think a couple of months before we managed to secure another funding and then once we get the project with Unilever up and running uh the customers were happy and then we we made such great stride uh it went viral even the chatbot itself it's called Jema somebody talked to her for straight for hours and then i post on linkedin and i get like 1000 likes on my posts and i think the rest is noble effect once you get this one big brand that trusts your service and then the second we get telecom sell and the rest just history like snowball effect because of this brand effect we call it hey This episode is brought to you by Slice. Slice is a creator CRM to help brands and agencies better manage their content creator relationships. Our integrated platform simplifies reporting, payments, and creator relationships for branded sponsored content. Creators, sign up for Slice and get access to brands and agencies who want to hire you for brand deals. We also give you access to your analytics so you can see which channels are growing. Uh, and we also create a media kit for you. So with an, with one link, you can send these brands or agencies uh, your entire overview in terms of like who you are, your analytics, uh, your audience demographics, et cetera. So it's a lot easier to hire you. So go to slice.id, sign up today. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the pod. We've got a great episode for you today. Uh, I've got Erzan Raditya on, uh, and he is the co-founder and CEO of Kata AI. Right. So Erzan and I met years ago uh, when I was still working at Mindshare on the Unilever account. Uh, and he had started this company called Yes Boss, which has evolved into uh, the present day Kata AI, which is uh, a conversational AI uh, tool. And it's got a suite of products that really uh, help brands and, and companies uh, deepen their, their customer engagement. Right. So they've done a really good job uh, creating these chatbot like tools uh across you know multiple products within their within their suite right why did i want to talk to him right uh one he's been at this for like seven plus years but um recently if you are unaware there's something called open ai and chat gpt right so artificial intelligence is having its moment and it probably will be for uh years to come it's really changing the way that we are thinking about uh ai intelligence products etc right and so Part of this, the reason why I want to talk to him is um, a lot A lot of all of this is triggered through chatbot um, UX, right? And so this is something that he's been working on for a long time. He's been working on artificial intelligence and, you know, natural uh, language processing uh, with, with his company, uh, especially with Bahasa, right? And so... Um, I thought it'd be really interesting to get his perspective. He had been posting about it on LinkedIn. And so... Uh, we have a really good conversation around artificial intelligence, uh, but we also have a really good conversation about his company and his product, right? And the evolution, right? You know, he, you know, unbeknownst to me, he had to lay off like 90% of his company at one point when he was pivoting the product. Uh, and then it's been like the slow grind to rebuild the company, the product uh, to get it to the point it is at today where it's like the sustainable company with enterprise clients. Like it's, so it's very cool uh, to kind of see from, from afar his, his growth, uh, both as an entrepreneur uh, and as a company, right? So uh, today, good episode. Can't wait to share it with you. Uh, now on to the, my chat. 
Hey, Erzan, welcome to the pod. Thank you, Jesse. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting. So you are the co-founder and CEO of Kata AI. So can you, let's start off by just letting everybody know like what, what it is you guys do. Sure. So Kata.ai is the pioneer of conversational artificial intelligence platform for businesses in Indonesia. We mainly target the enterprise customers from the likes of telecommunication, financial service, FMCG and retail, where we can improve their customer engagement through automations, AI and messaging applications like of WhatsApp and others. We help them to reduce their costs by 70% and at the same time, improving their conversion rate, also um, increasing sales through conversations. So to date, we have helped over 200 businesses in Indonesia, mostly our enterprise uh, segment, and we have processed over 2 billion conversations to date. So is this uh, primarily like customer service, e-commerce related, or are there other use cases that I'm I'm not thinking about right now? Yeah, majority our use cases are related to customer service and marketing engagement, like uh, data collection through CRM uh, by using WhatsApp. Uh, billing engagement is easier for the brand to collect data, for example. And for example, we also currently exploring the likes of uh, loyalty marketing, how we can collect the data from offline and then bring them online and bring like personalized engagement to the customers over messaging applications. Got it. Right. So that's, uh, that's definitely very important. I think, you know, you and I, we met probably what, uh, seven, six, seven years ago. Right. I think you were, (laughs) it was still yes, boss, uh, the product Mm -hmm. at the time. Right. So you guys have been, um, you know, at this a while. Right. And the industry has evolved. And I think we're going to talk about, you know, how, you know, the AI and Kata AI, but, um, you know, I feel like you are a little bit ahead of the game, right. In terms of, uh, you know, right. of using chat bots and thinking about AI in conversation. So like, where did this idea for you, uh, kind of generate from? Right. So right where we start, yes, boss. In 2015. So by the way, for the listeners here, like YesBoss is, it was a B2C virtual assistant service where you can ask anything like for food delivery, for, you know, hotel reservation, and you want to reserve restaurants, you book a flight, for example, and using SMS. So imagine like a super app, but in SMS back then in 2015, but on the back end, we have like 50 people customer service answering and delivering your inquiries. And we work together with the other on-demand services like of Kojak, Tokopedia, and others to do fulfillment anyway. Uh, right from the beginning, uh, we thought that we want to make people's lives easier. And it's just essential people are chatting in Indonesia and we love to be served anyway. But I understood that the scalability using this kind of service would be a problem. And hence, uh, my co-founder and I, we believe that uh, it's essential to have a proper AI algorithm specifically in natural language processing for Bahasa Indonesia in place, right? But the problem again is that in 2015, there's no such thing as open source for Indonesian NLP, for example, or such API that we can use freely. So what we did is something what we call as cold turkey start. So we collected those data manually by employing like 50 customer services and then understanding the interaction between our customers and our agents and the way how they express they want something, the start of the language, 
And we use those millions of messages to build our own AI algorithm that we built from scratch that can understand Bahasa Indonesia in various ways. Yeah, I think the I do remember like the Bahasa is uh, a key component to it, right? Because there are a lot of tools out there, uh, but they're all English based, right? And I think, you know, in some of the things that we yeah. have done with this, we found it difficult when it, we're dealing with uh, Indonesian language uh, of Bahasa. Right. So you created this product um, and you uh, you were using SMS. Right. And I think um, one of the questions, you know, that I have, because we're I'm in the midst of it right now, listeners know we're trying to reach product market fit. Right. The holy grail for a lot of early stage startups. Uh, And then your product kind of pivoted a little bit right from the the tech uh, standpoint. Uh, you kind of went to desktop. I know you integrate with like Facebook Messenger. So kind of like, how did that evolution happen? And then like, what was kind of like, you know, there, I know there's no such thing as like a silver bullet tipping point, but like, you know, what what were some of the uh, preceding factors that kind of got you to the point where, yes, this is, we have something that, uh, that works that people want to use? Right. That's a good question, Jesse. I think before we get there, uh, the pivot moment is, kind of like very tough moments, like the toughest three months in my life back then in 2016. Because at the time when Yes was, was running, we are like full operations running. We had like 100 team members uh, spread across cities. And then we came to the point that uh, it's very hard to, you know, to make money after the business, given the fact that we were an aggregator of other aggregator services, right? And at the same time, we were running our cash very, very low, very thin. It's kind of difficult to fundraise. It's like, um, you know, a bit of the winter back in 2016, after all the honeymoon period in funding, like 2014, 2015, right? And we thought, right, okay, I think we had to uh, change things differently. At the same time, I think we were lucky. So luck is something that I would say it's never out of the picture. It's the key thing here. Because one, our efforts in building the NLP algorithm for Basa Indonesia is already in place. The second, we were very lucky we got this opportunity to work with line messaging applications and Unilever. So Unilever was and Line were our savior back then. Because they wanted to build a female best friend in line messaging app that can speak freely in Basa Indonesia. So after like we didn't, we didn't have any product back then, but we just have MPOC. And I think back then the managing director of Line Indonesia, uh, Pa Ongki, he put like some faith in us. Oh, I believe these guys, uh, they have something going on and let's work with this, with them. And it was a big deal, by the way. Uh, I think the amount was like six figures digit US dollar. <laughs> so it's quasi like a seed funding for us. And then uh, came to the point that we had to we inform our investors, uh, get their blessings, and they, they also believe that direction is B2B for the constant revenue stream, and they also believe that AI is the future, right? And a lot of uh, companies, startups, business in the west part of the world, they're talking about chatbots, automation. Back then, I think Facebook Messenger just launched their bots on, on Messenger, and we had to let go like 92 of our staffs, 92, and leaving only eight people. We didn't have any office. We had to work in the cafeterias of, uh, I think in the area of what, uh, Kamang Village for I think a couple of months before we managed to secure another funding. And then 
once we get the project with Unilever up and running, uh, that the customers were happy. And then we, we made such great strides. Uh, it went viral, even the chatbot itself, it's called Jema. Somebody talked to her for straight four hours. And then I post on LinkedIn and I get like thousand likes on my posts. And I think the rest is noble effect. Once you get this one big brand that trusts your service, and then the second we get telecom sell, and the rest just history, like snowball effect because of this brand effect, we call it. Yeah, we're we're working on that because I think the uh, the most common question if you pitch anything new in Indonesia, probably the world, but like I specifically in Indonesia get this is, uh, you know, do you have a case study? Who else has done this? Right. Like people are a little yes. bit apprehensive of being the first, but once they see that like big name, it's much easier for them. And I, I remember I was, you know, Unilever was my client at the time. So like I heard about uh, Gemma and and the data and I, you know, internally was pushing a lot of chatbot products. Uh, but it was very, it was still even a hard sale. Um, and partly because like, uh, ownership of the product, uh, from the FMCG side yeah. is, is difficult. Right. But I think that's great that, you know, uh, Unilever and Taco Cell were kind of like your flagship, um, clients that help you get the, the next wave. Right. So, um, and then I guess from there, right. Your, your product line has been evolving. Right. So, um, w- this is a common theme with a lot of the the entrepreneurs on the show is, you know, they start with, with the one, right. And uh, you know, other, other people have described, they, they start with like the lightest weight, the widest reaching uh, product, and then they can kind of go vertical um, uh, in terms of like the, you know, they, they expand horizontally, but uh, they can get a little bit more vertical in terms of like the use case. Right. So uh, you have some omni-channel, you have some voice messaging, Right. So can you just kind of describe um, one, I guess, what these other uh, features are and then kind of like your decision process in terms of what to launch next and and like how you would approach that? Right. I think that's a good question, Jesse. Um, I think what we did at the beginning is we understood uh, at, at the core of itself, that enterprise requires a lot of customizations and integrations. And B2B is, I think, like 50% relationship and 50% result. Sometimes the one who gets deal, not the best player, but, but the one who knows better, the people inside of the company. Hence, our product also follow that suit. So we built what we call as Kata Platform. So Kata Platform is essentially like a developer platform that allows developers to build an AI-powered chatbot using our technology. It helped us to work together with the system integrators, technology consulting companies that can use our product and deliver the results with their effort as well with the customizations, integrations, serving as their customers. So I think at its core, we have this Kata platform. And the next part is all about like customer obsession. So once you get the understanding, okay, now you have built a chatbot. So we're talking about the vertical of customer engagement or customer service. And then you ask yourself like, what would, be required for the customers to complete the job here. Because the jobs to be done in customer engagement or customer service is ensuring your customers are happy. They get their solution, uh, they get their problems answered with a fast solution, right? So chatbot is one of the way and next we thought that, oh, uh, they might need an API where they can use the chatbot on WhatsApp. And then we provide this WhatsApp, this API, for example. And we thought again, okay, the likes of the enterprise customers, they might have this large full-fledged CRM applications or software, 
but this mid market and small companies they might need like a um, unified chat platforms that combine chats coming from WhatsApp, Instagram, Telegram, and other chat messaging applications. So we built what we call as Hatalmi Chat. So it's just uh, I think rational because you have the automation, but understanding that the automation is not that ripe yet due to the state of the technology back then with AI and still requires like human intervention. So you build the software for the human piece. You build the API and then you build next. Okay, these folks sometimes require the customer, the marketing team to blast uh, informations, to blast campaigns. So we build the campaign engagement tool. So I think the rational is just uh, imagine that uh, you're serving a customer and what kind of like menu unit you can serve them that can fulfill their hunger, right? <laughs> or I think the easiest part, if we are a consumer and I believe all of us, we are using the likes of, you know, on-demand service like Gojek, they start with ride hailing and then we are, as a consumer and we use their app again for food, like just go food and then the payment piece with GoPay. And with B2B, it's also the same. Uh, you know your customers, let's say you're targeting the marketing people or the customer service and what do they need from you in order to complete their jobs? And now our vision is now we have uh, kind of like going deep into the customer service uh, vertical, how we can build AI powered software along with our thesis in elevating people with, you know, the power of AI and language to uh, help them uh, to collaborate and work easier. So that's why, okay, we have entered the customer service division. We have entered the marketing next. Right now we are building peace in HR. So currently we are building like AI powered recruitment tool, uh, what we call as Kata recruiters. So the vision is imagine like if you're B2B, how each of the division, if your customer's company, they can use your service, your product, and it can be connected with connected uh, within each other. So I think that's the kind of like rough high level mindset that I have, Jesse. Yeah. So all these products, you know, you're building up the suite. So basically it sounds like you are increasing the lifetime customer value of every customer, right? So they're not just going to use one. They'll end up using two or three uh, of your products, right? And then uh, are people like, is that typical that they, they're, when they sign up for one, they're going to, you know, that within X amount of time, they'll probably sign up for two or three uh, of the products or do, do people kind of use each of these new features separately? Right. I think it can go both ways, but uh, I believe, as you mentioned, is how we can increase the customer lifetime value, but on how we can drive them value first, right? Value and then answers their problems. So uh, the good thing about what I observe having this B2B relationship, um, you know, in this Indonesian market is that once a customer trusts you with your service, they love your service, you solve their problems, they will ask everything from you. And Sometimes it might not be things that are related to your current service. Sometimes you need to bring along a partner, like a third-party vendor, for example, or it can spark your ideas that can, uh, something that can be baked on your roadmap, for example. So I think that's the, the, the holy grail of customer engagement and how we can build a, you know, end-to-end solution and roadmap by answering their needs uh, at the same time, increasing their lifetime value. I love how you're very consistent in you're focusing on the customer and the customer problems and solving those uh, like that is, you know, and then you're talking, you're basically talking and thinking like an agency, but you're using a technology solution, right? Agencies, like they want to become the 
trusted advisor, and then they can kind of uh, offer them solutions in different areas. That's how they they make money, right? But you, you, you know, you are, I think, doing exactly what most businesses, all businesses should do. Most businesses don't do, right? Is being very, very customer centric to the problems, right? So I think that in itself is definitely something that more people should be learning from. Artificial intelligence is both scary and very exciting, right? So everybody is scrambling to figure out how to integrate uh, artificial intelligence uh, into their product. So OpenAI and their chat GPT product have really accelerated the way uh, or like how people view AI and like what is possible, especially in the po- realm of possibilities in the, in the now, right? You know, uh, I watched uh, Ex Machina, which is a movie about uh, artificial intelligence with like humanoid robots. Uh, and this was made maybe 10 years ago. And so it was very interesting, uh, you know, to see kind of like how that perspective a, de- a decade ago about AI was. And uh, but now, like, it feels like we're getting closer to that uh, reality. Right. But uh, regardless, you know, so there's so bo- it's both crazy interesting and um and scary right but i wanted to you know we're not i we're not at that point where you know we have like a uh, a robot that can like become human and kind of like take over uh, the human human race we're still at a, a point where it's very much we chat and type in commands and questions and we get more human like responses right um i what I'm trying to figure out is how I want to integrate, how I can integrate uh, this these AI tools into my my daily life, right? I just uh, downloaded a Chrome extension that will uh, give me executive summaries on any article, so I don't have to read the whole thing. Um, I don't know; it's interesting, but you know, I wanted to get Erzan's opinion on like artificial intelligence in general, where he thinks it's going. Uh, and, and how he thinks uh, people can be potentially using uh, AI uh, right now. I wanted to get into, you know, the artificial intelligence of it all, right? You know, part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you is if you're on Twitter, LinkedIn, maybe even Instagram, right? There is a new .ai tool out there. You guys have been using .ai before it was, it was cool, right? So um, I guess... High level, like, what are your? I, I saw you wrote a LinkedIn post using Chat GPT, right? So, like, what are your initial uh, thoughts about it um, from your from early case use cases from it, uh, and then we'll kind of get more into like the uh, the business product and and the whole industry uh, discussion of it. Right, I think it's just amazing. I use ChatGPT like every day for various cases. Uh, it might not be related to work, but with some of my personal needs. But you know, I'm glad that finally AI-powered assistant find its product market fit after 10, 11 years. Well, Apple introduced Siri back in 2011, but sometimes you only use for reminders for alarm, for example. But now it became a tool that you know, 100 million people within five minutes. That's massive. And I think that's a lot of value. And I'm glad that um, the the vision that I have, like how AI could uh, improve our productivity and I think happiness, it's it's finally, you know, we we, might, we are sort of starting seeing in the market right now. Yeah. So is, is there like a, 
a use case, um, a plugin or something that you have found to be particularly useful? Like I'm, I, I just paid for it. And now I'm like experimenting more with some of these tools and plugins, trying to find like, what is right. The mix for me. Right. So I'm just curious how, like if what's one of your go-to ways of using it right now. Right. Um, I, I, I paid for the ChatGPT plus by the way, but I don't have the plugin because I think some of the people in the, in the States, they got this plugin already, but I don't think I have it. I'm not lucky already. <laughs> anyway, so uh, use case, I think uh, right off to, to help me like to, to brainstorm some ideas, for example, like as a tenant partner. And then um, so, uh, some case I use it for, you know, simply like enhancing the copywriting, making announcement, email, uh, outline some reports, for example. And yeah, I think it's having like a brainstorming tandem partner the way I, the way I have it for, for various cases. Yeah, or... I have some crazy ideas. Oh, what if we we made a, we make a movie or comic books in the story of this and that, and just for fun? And yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, I didn't expect that it can also give value in the, I would say, like storytelling or entertainment industry. No, I mean, I I'm asking because I think there are so many ways to use it that I'm not even thinking of yet. Right? You know. Everyone yeah. on, on on Twitter has like their new use case. I'm still kind of like using it almost like, you know, Google where I ask it questions. Mm-hmm. I know I'm, I'm just skin deep with that right now. And there's a lot deeper ways, but no, it is, it is definitely incredible. Right. So do you see this as a threat to, to Kata uh, AI or is there like a way that this is going to enhance what you guys do, right? Because you have, you have already built like the user behavior of chat, right? Which is kind of like the the entry point to a lot of this. Right. Uh, well, some, some, some wise people said that if you can't beat them, you join them. <laughs> so in this case, I embrace them because uh, I feel like uh, it gives a lot of value, uh, not only for, for me as an end users, but also for, uh, businesses, especially now they have opened up their API, right? Uh, there are some integrations that we're currently working on. So stay tuned. <laughs> some use cases we are thinking that it makes sense uh, for enterprise customers. Uh, but we are trying to be, I think, quite realistic uh, how to use it. That still uh, gives value and result for the customers, but at the same time, giving them enough like safeguards that it doesn't open up too much, you know, because when you build services for enterprise customers for the B2B, then they want everything to be in brand, right? So I think that's that quite a challenge, but I believe this will enhance the, our our offerings and, and value to our customers. Yeah. So eventually basically what you're saying is you will be able to use this to that the customer service chatbots that uh, companies have will have that unified um a more natural unified brand voice that comes out. Is that one thing? Yeah. Yeah. I think that is one thing definitely. And then enhancing the intent, for example, and then it has a very quite robust, I would say like sentiment and emotion analysis. Yes. I think you were in an agency, right? JC and a lot of brand asking for sentiment. And I think for the past years, all sentiment is only about like positive, negative, neutral. And now they can they can do do more. They know like when people are disgusted, when people are uh, anxious, when people are happy, when they are, uh, I think, uh, delighted with the service. So that kind of 
granularity and the insights you can bring to your customers, especially to brands, it's, it's super rich, I guess. I That brings me to my, my point. It's a, it's kind of a larger AI discussion, right? And I, part of this is because I just watched Ex Machina for the first time uh, last weekend. <laughs> um, but there's, there's some prominent voices in America that are, are causing for like a six month pause on on this because they're a little bit worried right you had that google engineer half half a year ago or so who was saying like there was like a a sentient uh bot or something like a google <laughs> like is there is there real fear is that something you think that we should be aware of people brands who are looking into integrating with ai should be aware of or fearful of or how should how should we kind of think about that Right. I think the simple way, the way we look at it as, yes, I do believe the result and impact that AI is delivering is exponential. And its growth also has been exponential for the last, I think, couple of months, right? And But for me, it's just a tool, you know? So uh, it's very useful when it's being used responsibly and ethically, and it can greatly benefit society. I mean, like, it increases your productivity and then it helps you to do more, definitely, in a short time period and with less resources. Of course, however, there are these fears surrounding AI mainly stems around, you know, job displacement, for example, data privacy and security. And I think that's something that uh, businesses, brands have to be mindful about and then potential misuse. As I think with any other powerful technology, the key to addressing these concerns lies in regulations and then continuous education. I mean, like, not like formal education, but uh, having like public discussion, uh, I think this kind of like podcast also, uh, I think the one of the medium for education uh, about AI and its pros and cons, right? And also like how we can, yeah, we have to embrace that now. AI is being part of the culture and how we as users, as businesses, as platform owners to maintain that it's still ethical uh, on the deployment, development, and also for, for the impact to the society. That's my take, Casey. Yeah, I think, you know, you kind of touched on it, right? Like there is, um, it's going to be commoditized at some point, right? And it's correct. Yeah, it won't be, it's very revolutionary now, but I think, you know, in five years, it's going to be kind of like table stakes for any uh, product uh, or experience. So it probably will not be as scary, at least in my opinion, it's not going to be as scary as, you know, like the, uh, who was the bad guy in one of those Avenger movies, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, Ultron, yeah. yeah 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 um so i guess touching on this becoming a commodity right and this i'm just looking for a little bit of education on your point of view because i think in the beginning of our conversation you had said that you know one of the unique value propositions that you had was that you had like this uh natural language learning model um, that was specific to Bahasa, right? So uh, is is that still unique to you? Are there other, like, is ChatGPT, uh, is that English only? Like, or I'm, I'm not sure how that, to be honest, like how that, um, you know, translates. Right, yeah. Based on my understanding, ChatGPT can already serve like 95 languages. It, it can craft, uh, you know, some paragraphs, some, I uh, say, I understand, like, even, like, 
casual or formal Indonesian languages. Uh, in, so I think it's um, it become it becomes a commodity, as you mentioned. Just like uh, the cloud server we're using, uh, we're using AWS or you know uh, Google Cloud. It's become ubiquitous. So so yeah, I think uh, businesses that or products that will, are not embracing AI in the long run, I think they will get left behind because again, it improves the customer experience, the customer stickiness, deliver better results, and then improving the profitability of their business. So I think, yeah, I, I believe it's a net positive something for AI anyway. Yeah, and I think, you know, the data, the unique data that you feed into it is what's going to make it the most valuable and most um, beneficial for your customer. And, I, you know, through these customer engagement conversations, you're definitely going to get that brand voice, the brand problems. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like from my, my perspective, you're in a very good uh, position. So I've been interviewing CEOs and entrepreneurs for a couple of years now. And uh, most of the people that I've spoken to, um, they're all, they all have, you know, really good experience and they're in varying um, stages of their company's uh, life cycle. But most of them are probably in that two to four year uh, range in terms of maturity. Um, and I think one of the things that is interesting about Erzan is that he has been uh, working on this for seven plus years. That's a long time, right? You know, I've never, I've never worked at a company that long in my life or worked on anything, you know, for that amount of time. So I think you get a different type of perspective uh, from someone who's been at it uh, for so long, right? So, you know, I like to end these podcasts where I ask, ask for advice, right? What do they think based on their experience, young entrepreneurs, first time entre entrepreneurs, uh, should know, right? And I think Erzon gives us a very solid perspective based off of his uh, seven plus years as an entrepreneur. Um, so earlier we talked about how you are, you said 2015, you started this company, right? Which is like seven, seven years ago, seven, eight years ago now, yeah. right? Um, that's that's like a a lifetime in startup years, right? And, and <laughs> yeah. you, know, you you've already outlined how you've pivoted the product. You've had to slash ninety percent of your workforce, which is like an extremely you know painful endeavor. And then I'm, uh, you've built up you know the the you know, raise money, built up a team uh, from there, right? So has anything gotten easier? uh as you've grown or you know is it kind of like the greg lamont quote where it doesn't get easier you just um what is it you just go faster right um mm. yeah so i think as an entrepreneur that who's been doing this for eight years <laughs> i think one thing that has gotten easier is adapting to change because the only thing that is constant in this industry ever changing and uh, rapidly growing is change right so with, with the experience that i'm getting it's uh, you know learning to adapting change is inevitable and it helps me as a founder as an entrepreneur to become more resilient and flexible in navigating like various challenges it can be happen you know externally internally but it can happen on your customers your partner your your staff so i think it helps me to develop a better understanding uh, about pivoting, when to persevere, and when to let go, definitely. 
That makes so much sense. I, I know in just one year, like I've been able to moderate my highs and lows because I've just gotten used to like, I know it's going to happen. I don't know what's going to trigger it, but like, yeah, that definitely makes sense. So what would be a, like um a, something that you wish you knew before you started the company? <laughs> I think I think a lot, like so many, uh, JC. But I think all in all, it, it boils down to you are only as good as you are able to hire as a founder. Because uh, at the beginning, it might be like a Superman show, like one man show. But if you want to go fast and well, especially want to go far, <laughs> you need a team, a very, very strong team. A strong team that I'm not talking about some quote unquote like rock star developers, ninja, blah, 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 but more towards people who are aligned to the same vision and they, they believe and trust each other and they're being collaborative. All in all, like finding people who believe in the mission and uh, I think can fit in with the, building like right culture is kind of important. It might sound cliche, but uh, after being running this for eight years and then facing a lot of changes in the market, especially like for the past one year with its own like tech winter, I'm very, very thankful to have a very strong team that are collaborative, even though things are not getting easier, but they believe in the changes, the mission, and they are here to collaborate and, you know, deliver impact to their customers and our partners. Yeah, I, I can't agree more with, with the team. So my follow-up is um, hiring is, it's hard. <laughs> it's fucking hard. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and being in a startup, there's that you have, uh, you have so many more kind of like limitations that, you know, a large corporation might have. So when you are interviewing people, it doesn't matter the role. Like, is there a characteristic or trait or something that you are looking for that kind of enables you to know, hey, this person, they get it. They are going to be a part of this team uh, and they're going to, you know, rock and roll with me uh, for the long term. Right. So I think one thing for sure, I'm looking for their growth mindset like how this person managed to grow themselves uh, from one role to another role in a previous career, for example, or there are things aside of the work that he or she is keen to explore or work on. I think that uh, signals that somebody is having like a good growth mindset and understand their aspiration as well. The second is uh, it's very important to have someone that having like a clear thought process. So I think a lot of our assignments will test people on their thought process. And a critical thinking is very, very key here because when you want to make decisions and the way you, and the way you uh, process your thoughts in making that decision is much more important than the result. That's my, that's my thing. And uh, the third one is uh, communication is key here. And especially we are an organization that uh, is spread across multiple cities. Uh, we're working from anywhere. So we don't meet face-to-face. -face and sometimes, uh, you know, people can get words in a wrong way and then meet over Zoom or Google Meet. It's not easy. So having a good communication skill is, is kind of important. And those who understand the needs of over-communication, it's kind of critical uh, based on the needs of my organization. Do you have like a question that you ask to do kind of gauge their growth mindset? Well, I think um, it's more towards like asking 
uh, it, it, it starts like, why do you want to apply to this company? I think that's, that's simply like one question and it can evolve to everything uh, depending on their answers, uh, JC. But those uh, who have growth mindset, um, I typically have, you know, more follow-up questions and then more interest like, it it um it triggers my interest to 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 get to know more about this person because sometimes you you get it when you try to interview people and there are people that who who spark interest in you that you want to learn more then I think that's that's a good thing that that means okay um that that person that uh, you're hiring is might uh, might have this growth mindset uh, just like when what you expect yeah the you hit the nail on the head I think. Um you can tell the quality of the candidate by the the number and the type of follow-up questions that they have uh, for you. No. So I think that that was a good answer. Uh, all right. Let's end it with this. If you could give one piece of advice to a first time entrepreneur, what would it be? Well, I think uh, growth is nice, but profit is better. <laughs> <laughs> that's just my take especially like we will never know about the fundraising climate but all in all uh maintain your people and your people will maintain your product uh your product will maintain their profit so i think it goes in hand hand in hand from the culture and then it will go towards like the, the, the profitability as well yeah so i think that's my take yeah, it's a new world. Uh, growth isn't everything. Profit is is definitely what investors are looking for. Erzan, thank you so much for the time and uh, being on the pod. Likewise, Jesse. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Side Door Podcast. I appreciate any likes and ratings that you will give us. Uh, I really appreciate it if you share this with a friend. You know, we always appreciate uh, a larger audience to hear uh, the stories of, of these entrepreneurs in, in Indonesia. Uh, if you go to sidedoor.xyz, that's going to take you to our Spotify uh, playlist. So you can hear all of the episodes there. You can subscribe there. Uh, and, you know, here we're doing a little bit more video. So if you go to sidedoor.video, that's going to take you to our YouTube channel. So you can subscribe there. You can watch the episode there uh, you can kind of track where my funky eyes are going and you know my weird faces that I make when people are speaking um, but you know uh, I'm pretty excited about this uh, we've got a lot more cool guests coming on uh, so you know appreciate any help that you can give me to, to spread the word of this podcast uh, if you have any suggestions for the pod or you know potential uh, guests uh, hit me up on Twitter at Jesse Bowman until next time Stay curious.